Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry and of course this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today we are very excited to be talking to you about the 1980-something. Three, five, one. 1983 film. <laughs> Angel. Her name is Angel. She's unlike any high school student you've ever met. Are you having difficulty making friends? I'm on top of the honors list. There's more to life than getting straight A's. Her only friends are on the streets. Her only chance is on her own. You're young, attractive, healthy. You're swimming around in a toilet bowl. I was alone. Where's your mom, Angel? One day I came home from school and she was gone. Just that note, a hundred dollar bill. I just put on some sexy clothes and high heels and went out and made a living. Everything in life has a price on it, Angel. Somewhere down the line, you're gonna have to pay. It's my life. Angel, her two worlds are about to collide. Remind me never to get murdered. Angel, it's her choice, her chance, and her life. Okay, so Angel. Um, synopsis? Yes, yeah, synopsis, baby. All right, so Molly, a high schooler, as we said, it's a 1983 film. Molly, a high schooler, secretly earns her living as Angel, a street prostitute whose only family and friends are the ones she works with on the streets. She has to survive against a serial killer who is targeting people of her profession. And it is directed or was directed by Robert Vincent O'Neill, stars Cliff Gorman, Susan Tyrell, Dick Sean, Rory Calhoun, and Donna Wilkes. So this was a first time watch. Unforgettable (laughs) people. Exactly. This was a first time watch for both of us. Um, So why don't you go ahead, Chris, and let us know your thoughts. Sure. Uh, Yeah, I actually thought this was a really interesting little movie. It was surprising in a number of ways. Uh, The cover art and the marketing of it certainly played up the sort of teen sex worker salacious angle, right? She's 15, is that correct, in the the movie? I believe, yeah. I think she's supposed to be 15. Um, And on the box cover, there's sort of her in the schoolgirl outfit with the pigtails, and on the left and then on the right it's her dressed in um like a prostitute on the streets and even in the trailer of it you know there is some her character there's a clip of her saying the line like it's my 
it's my life or it's my choice or it's my body or something like that. So from the, from the gates, it's almost as though this is like, um, simultaneously playing the like young sex card and trying to play the angle of kind of proto-feminism, like my body, my choice sort of thing. So I, right off the bat, I was kind of like, I thought this was just going to be an exploitation movie mm -hmm. um, and go for all the cheap tricks. I was surprised. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a great movie uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I was surprised how not that it was it was i mean it's a serial killer movie really so it's a it's a murderer on the loose and angel is the uh, epitome of a vulnerable uh female protagonist there's a cop that gets involved you know is trying to help her as best he can he's trying to catch this guy it's the early 80s it's la um, it's sort of pre a bunch of really digital CSI stuff. So you kind of buy that this guy is going around, uh, stabbing streetwalkers and evading police. He doesn't leave a lot of evidence and it, the whole thing doesn't go on that long, maybe a couple of weeks. Right. So that all feels kind of plausible in a gritty way. We spend a lot of the time following her around walking on hollywood boulevard with her other street friends they're not all prostitutes some of them are street performers um there's an old west cowboy guy we meet that you know used to be a body double for all the pictures super charming old man and there's a clown that likes to juggle and do tricks that's sort of sweet on one of her prostitute friends and um I think it stops short of painting this as like wholesome, good fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it also doesn't roll around in the salacious mire of um, the tawdry. I mean, it's, it's about teen prostitutes. So it's tawdry by its nature. And we see the girls and women and men, um, sort of going into hotel rooms with perps, but we don't follow them in there. We don't follow them into bed. Um, you know, there's not crazy shots of people cutting them up and putting out cigarettes on them with the exception of the serial killer who does have a knife and kills them with a knife. Right. So it, it's not a, it's not like exploitative in the teen prostitution thing in the way that I thought it was going to be. It's more about underlining with great force how vulnerable in, in such a, what a vulnerable position this, this hero is. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you're pretty much, uh, that's pretty much exactly the same reaction that I had to it. So, you know, we would have been children when this movie came out, but I can remember seeing the, I remember seeing the, the cover art, you know, in video stores yeah. at the time and thinking, oh, this is, 
a really sleazy movie. You know, from the cover, it almost makes you think it's going to be like softcore porn yeah. or something. Yeah, absolutely. And other than there are a couple of the standard 80s gratuitous um, locker room scenes. A lot. Where they, yeah. Where a they lot of linger them on. For a movie like this, and it's it's not the prostitutes, really. It's like mm-hmm. he's at school, school and she's in the locker room yeah. and there's a whole cheerleading team and there's at least two scenes and maybe three where they're all like hopping in and out of the shower. And it's, there's no other reason for this scene uh, than to show the gratuitous skin. Um, And they really linger on it, you know, but, but yeah. So, and to, uh, to uh, no pun intended to flesh out the, um, the, the plot a little bit more. So um, she is, so we find out, during the course of the movie that, so she lives in this apartment building, this nice, it's not nice on the outside, but the apartment's very nice inside. And she lives there and her her father is no longer in the picture, he's gone. And she tells everyone that her mother is sick and she has to take care of her mother. And you never see the mother and you eventually find out that the mother had left too. So she's been abandoned and she goes to this prep school that she's paying for herself, uh, which it, I didn't really think about it until just now, but, but uh, you know, this is kind of one of those leaps of logic. Who would the school, like, is she writing, is she writing checks with her mom's name on them or something? Yes. You know what I mean? At That's some point, somebody would, would figure out like, yeah. yeah, it's like, where's the money coming from? But anyway. Well, at um, some point, somebody does figure it out, right? The school yeah. administrator who is a sharp cookie. Right does eventually figure it all out but i think the point the movie's trying to or the the picture the movie's trying to paint is that this is a very smart kid and yeah. a very um precocious kid uh, obviously older than her years who's been making money in the worst possible most dangerous possible way um but is otherwise capable of living this double life you know mm-hmm. And I think that one of the surprising things about the film is she doesn't have a lot of friends at school, but she has very close relationships with her friends on the boulevard. One is a man, I, he's homosexual. Is. Yeah. And, and dresses. I, I don't, I didn't get the, the sense that he was transsexual. I got the sense that he was a gay prostitute who dresses like a woman Um <laughs> You know, the funny thing is, is there's a bunch of things that are played for comic in this movie that I think, and this is probably us just watching it in 2020, that undermine some of the really progressive things it's also trying to say about sex and sex politics and gender politics and identity. Uh, I thought in some ways this movie was just way ahead of its time in in those regards mm-hmm. um, and painting these streetwalkers as human beings that do this yes they might be good at it in some ways and they might even enjoy aspects of it in some ways and by that i mean like the freedom that it affords i'm not really thinking of the hookers as much as i'm thinking of the street performers Uh, the old man in particular we discover later is homeless basically 
but he does seem to genuinely love being out on the street and you can say, Oh, he's delusional or whatever, but he's not insane, Mm -mm. you know? And, and he is a, he is a friendly, uh, wholesome even force, uh, in this young woman's life. In fact, spoiler alert, but he's the guy that ends up gunning down the, the murderer. So it, he it, has from six the, shooters that he, right. you know, that's part of his act. And it turns out he has real bullets, in them. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is not safe. <laughs> There's one scene where he's showing yeah. the cops and, you know, they're yeah. looking at the, the guns and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I thought one of my favorite things in this movie is that it, it takes these kind of, or in her landlord. So the, the may lives in the in the building with her and their landlord is a an artist and she's lesbian they make a big point of that and she's this sort of artist oddball and you know terrible art but uh it's all part of this loving family picture they kind of build out of these different characters and it's it's reinforced in the end, when the killer finally does figure out follows her home or something, um, May dies trying to protect her, right? These are people that literally die for each other, you know, and they genuinely care about Angel. Um, and I thought that was, that was oddly really touching. It was effective, you know, and there's a cop who's this kind of, why is there, it's like he's got, he's clearly a New York guy, but he's, He's on the LAPD. He's a homicide detective. Mm-hmm. And it's tough love, but he really comes to, to care about her in a, in a not quite a paternal way, but in a personal way, like really, really doesn't want to see her hurt and wants to do what he can to try and get her off the street. Um, to the point where he, he discovers her secret that she's basically an un, she's a minor living without a, and he, you know, he's like, I'm what I'm supposed to do is called child services and make sure that you get taken care of. But he doesn't do that, which is the wrong thing to do. But it's an evidence of his respect for the character. And, and he cares enough about her to literally break the law in this case to protect her secret because he decides that i'm not saying it's right but i'm saying it's mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to have that character too so you know it's imperfect in a lot of the ways and a lot of the stuff is corny and as i say i feel like in 1983 they're trying to make some progressive points about these oh weirdos right but they're people too and then they they try and it almost feels apologize for it or leaven that with comedy at their expense so may has all these zingers and may is sort of like may west but the actor they've cast as may is i mean he looks like walter Matthau. he's not you know there's nothing feminine about this guy which is fine that's fine but he dresses in this frilly thing and it's it's almost it's vaudevillian it's almost like uh a drag act making fun of, I think of like the Friars Club where somebody come out in a dress and the joke is like, har, har, har. Look at this ugly guy dressed up like a dame, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe that's me projecting onto it, but I feel like 
some of the fun they make of these characters is at their expense and that, and that that gets in the way of some of the really ahead of its time messaging this movie has. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you've always had in movies the the idea of the hooker with the heart of gold, you know, that's a that's a standard thing with with prostitutes in film, but but this is very interesting because you know, she has no family. Angel has no family anymore. And these people are her family. And essentially, and it's interesting how all of these people are incredibly kind and good and they take care of each other and nobody appears to be a drug addict or, or anything like that, you know, which is not to say that everybody who's a, a sex worker or a street performer is or whatever, but you know, they, they all seem kind of happy and well-adjusted. You're you know? right. Yeah. You're right. Um, and that's an excellent point is we don't see other than the fact that there is a serial killer murdering them and we do see one uh one particularly ugly uh john who is crass and treats her like you know literal garbage Mm -hmm. um but we don't see we don't see people ODing. we don't see the reality of kind of falling off the edge of society that often yeah. lands people doing this on the street. And realistically, <laughs> the premise of this 15 year old finding a surrogate family on the streets and being able to get her homework done and still be on the, it's, it's pretty ludicrous on the face of it. That's uh, one of the things that was really interesting to me is we see, you know, based on the cover art um and you have this a lot with with movies of this era you know particularly science fiction movies where you'll have great cover art with a really neat looking creature or whatever and then you know that that never transpires or it's paper mache or whatever so there had to have been people going into this again thinking this um was going to be this very sleazy, salacious film. And I'm glad it's not because, you know, you, I don't think there's even, even when she is on the street, they don't, you know, they don't have her dressed super provocatively. And the, the, act, the actor who played Angel was like 25 or 26 when this movie was made, but she looks like a little girl. I mean, she just yeah. looks like a child. Yeah. So this could have been really gross uh, and it's not, you know, um, but uh, I kind of lost my train of thought as to where I was going with this, but um, oh, it's interesting that like, like you said, we see very, very little with her or any of the other people actually, you know, doing their jobs. There's a lot of scenes of her doing homework, you know, in a lobby of some building or, you know, they're sitting eating food or whatever. And even with the serial killer aspects, we don't see a whole lot of him killing, you know, we see the after we see the bodies afterwards, but there's not a whole lot of him you know, this isn't a gory movie. No. Uh, there's very little blood in it. We don't get much. And the um, blood we see is really red paint. 
Yeah. You know, he'll yeah. pull the knife out and the knife will look like they just dipped it in a can of Crayola red paint. It's right. Uh, it's not designed. It tells the story, but it's not designed to create that visceral. Oh, you know? Yeah. And, and the, the serial killer stuff at a point in the movie gets to be almost an afterthought. I felt, you know, we don't, there's not very much, it's, it's pretty underdeveloped in terms of the serial killer. I mean, we see a scene where it's like he stabs a picture of his mother or something. We Um, see a bunch of like, Oh, he's crazy stuff. Like he takes an egg and he, with the tip of the knife, I guess he kills women with, which is like a switchblade. Mm-hmm. He pricks a hole in the bottom of the knife like you would blow an egg to dye the shell or something like that. And then he sucks. It's a long scene where I think mm-hmm. he actually did suck the raw egg out of the eggshell. It takes him about 30 seconds. You're just sitting here filming this guy like slurping away. And I think it's supposed to be like, Look how crazy he is. But really, it's just boring. But they clearly don't have anywhere to go with it because when he finishes sucking the egg, he sort of crushes the shell into his mouth and sort of chews up the shell, a la Kiss of the Vampire, where he's chomping on the cockroach. And you realize, oh, this scene didn't have any point beyond. Now we have a shot to show how crazy the killer is. I don't know. Why don't you... um, why don't you suck the yolk out of an egg or something? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. or we need something to show you, show you're crazy. Um, you know, what do you think your character would do? Is like, I don't know, maybe I'll suck an egg. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. don't know. I just, there's no, there's no specificity to it. What, what is that? Anyway, so I think that the serial killer is the weakest part of the movie. Yeah. He's a big ripped guy. Like he's buff and we see him working out and stuff. He doesn't have any dialogue. He's just going kind of, um, at one point he shaves his head and he dresses up like a Hare Krishna. Like the archive, the, the things the character does make sense within the story. So he's organized, right? He's organized enough to disguise himself. He fixates on this girl who he knows can pick him out of a lineup. But we don't get, you know, Hannibal Lecter, it's not. Bill the Butcher, it's not. It's no, you don't get the deliciousness of a well-defined, you know, Hans Gruber, it's not. There's no, we don't get the pleasure of understanding the villain as a character. He's just the force of death that latches on to the, you know, he becomes a kind of a metaphor for death on the street that you can't get away from. And which is fine, but I think that's weaker than having it be, because it's always going to be that. It's weaker than having him actually be a character. And I feel like you could you could take the serial killer aspect entirely out of the movie and have it just be the story of a girl, you know, living this double life and there are some antagonists in that there's this bully, uh, you know, jock guy who finds out that she's a prostitute. Yeah. Um, it tells the people at school and all of that. So it, it you know, it, it would work as just a drama when he and his buddies serial find killer her. stuff at all. Yeah. He and his buddies find her and grab her in their car and they're going to rape her. I mean, it's, you know, he is a bad guy. And, yeah, he's entitled, and you you might start to go, that wouldn't happen. It happens all the time, mm-hmm. you know? 
And yeah. these these entitled, you know, alpha male types in high school that don't have any boundaries, stuff kind of stuff. I mean, not that you find out your classmates a prostitute and all that's still contrived, but I, frankly, it happens a lot more frequently than serial killers walking around murdering people. You know, that's a that's something that I've thought about a lot is there have to be way more serial killers depicted in film and TV than have ever actually existed. <laughs> you know, it's pretty rare when it comes down to it. But, you know, every other movie you see is about a serial killer. Yeah, I think because they are such good monsters but the and i'm certainly not an authority on the subject but the i am interested in it and the books i yeah. read about it talk about you know the 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 ted bundy's and the you know the names that you know the hannibal lecter serial killers that we know that uh get away with it for a long period of time finding an organized violent psychopath like that is extremely rare extremely rare there's a lot of psychopaths and there's a lot of violent people. And there are some violent psychopaths. The vast majority of the violent psychopaths are disorganized. They devolve, right? Which is not to minimize the killing that they do. But by the time they kill, things have already unraveled a lot and they continue to unravel rapidly. So this idea of somebody who evades the law and is always one step ahead and has an alter ego and you know, a passport and six different names. It's not James Bond. You know, that that is extremely rare, apparently. Um, this is not that guy in this film, but he is organized and he's doing it again and again. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and the, you'd think yeah. in the movies, like Murder, She Wrote, this is a small town in Maine, right? Where <laughs> every week someone's murdered. I'm like, what's the population of this town? Well, it was 900 when <laughs> the season started and about 856 now. <laughs> you know, it's like, and why are they not investigating her? Because everywhere, everywhere she's she goes. She's a common thread, dies. exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, but I, and I also think that the and idea that... of the rape by her peers, which in their mind is this sort of laughing, like it's it's really upsetting in the movie. Because they're laughing and mocking her. And the rationale is so clear that, well, she's a whore. So we're all, this is what she's for, right? This is her choice, not ours. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really just good college fun. And there's the big jock. And then there's a sort of a heavy friend that's kind of a dope. And then there's a little like, eh, <laughs> little wimpy guy that's always like cheering him on. And she happens to have a gun in her purse and she defends herself and, and backs them off but then of course he goes straight to school and tells her secret and she realizes that once everybody it spreads like wildfire and once everybody knows that she's a prostitute that that's pretty much it for her at school yeah um and but, jock but the, is the standard um, yeah blonde rich. thing of and also that happens so much in 80s movies is he looks like he's about 30 right you know <laughs> and and he is he is a classic asshole like he's just mm -hmm. like hey why don't you come on you know you come on it's i i don't get it's a gift i don't give to everybody like he is so full of himself to the degree that only 80 80s movies <laughs> entitled football team captains could possibly be but yeah 
Um, as you said, that scene is is upsetting, and also the um, the serial killer uh, kills May as well. That yeah. May has uh, you know this fight with him, and the, and that scene was really upsetting because you come to you know you come to really like him um, over the course of the of the movie. Yeah, and and it's really sad when when he dies. I and I almost sensed that on paper, my hunch was that the script on the page might have been written with an even more progressive thing in mind that may, in the writer's mind, might have been transgender or transitioning mm -hmm. or a kind of a boys don't cry like, passable as female until you got in the bedroom right like it might mm -hmm. be it might have been in the writer's mind the crying game pure speculation on my part that you know we know may is male but the killer might not have realized it until they are rolling around on the bed struggling for the knife or you know that that might have been an additional trigger in some mm -hmm. way because they they make a lot of gestures to how fragilely how fragile this guy's mental construct is like his mom abused him like they have a whole thing spiel they rattle off but he's into necrophilia like doesn't really add up but there's lots going on and i thought that it might have been on the page that the author's like then all the threads kind of come together in these complex ways and then when they were shooting it there's like well there's not we're not going to be able to make that you know nobody's going to buy this nobody's going to watch a movie about a she man or whatever they thought in the 80s and they're like no we'll just we'll cast this big guy and we'll make it funny i don't know yeah and you're right um i mean it you know that could be could be what they were originally you know the writer was originally going through for but it's interesting as you said the the progressive nature of it even though you know there's some joking around um because may is you know he's really sarcastic and kind of throws out jokes yeah. and things like that but it's progressive in the sense of the film doesn't really treat him any differently than any of the other uh street you know people on the street in that they don't um act like he's some kind of a freak or something like that you know he's again He's this character that you really like and they don't the, the film doesn't treat him any differently than they do the female prostitutes that's right which I, get, I thought was interesting as well we get to see the denizens of the street through angel's eyes which is an extremely sympathetic they are the family the only family that she has and i think you're right i think that that feels very progressive in his age movie and it's not like we're the freaks with, uh, you know, we're into punk or we're the weird, nobody understands us, the weird kids, you know? Mm -hmm. It's um, it's interesting. And all of that being said, um, the acting is not great in this movie. Um, the dialogue is okay. It's painted in pretty primary colors. You know, there's not a ton of subtlety to the 
the best stuff is just in the kind of scenes and conversations between Angel and her friends. Yeah. With the occasional, like her, her conversations with the cop, especially as they get to know each other, um, are kind of interesting too, because it's the only like, quote unquote, responsible adult perspective she gets, which is why so he, his attitude towards her isn't really paternal. It's that of a cop who has seen enough of the, you know, this gone bad that he and he sees that this is a bright light of a kid and he doesn't want it to happen to her. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there are there's at least one scene where he just kind of spells it out for her. Like, you know, how do you I don't remember, but he's something effective. Like, how do you think this ends? You don't just do this for a while and then cash out like there's no this makes leaves a mark on you you know this is permanently changing you hmm. the sooner you can get out of this situation the the better it's gonna you know trust me i've seen this is my job i see this all the time it's it it's always a tragedy hmm. <laughs> and you know in this movie i think we it's not a tragedy and that's sort of part of the fairy tale of it but um, I mean, I liked it because it, based on the way it was uh, set up with the cover art and everything else, I thought it was going to be uh, an exploitation movie start to finish. Yeah. And the most exploitative thing about it was the serial killer, really. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's another, another aspect of it that uh, it, I keep saying interesting. I need a different word. Um, other than the antagonists, the few antagonists that we have in the movie. So we have the serial killer and then we have the jock guy. And then we have a couple of, you know, the Johns that she meets up with that are, you know, kind of mean. Um, but everyone else, again, nobody tries to take advantage of her. The cop doesn't, you know, you could see in, in some films, maybe there'd be kind of a turn that the cop would take advantage of her everyone that that she deals with on the street is looking out for her nobody tries to you know there's no scene where one of her friends betrays her and you know tries to take her money or something like that you know so it's it's very again it's a very fairy tale like kind of presentation of this girl's life and another thing that i i, I feel like when you watch a lot of these movies from this era kind of late 70s early 80s that are lower budget films, it feels a lot like a made for TV movie um, other than just, you know, you have this kind of thrown in these locker room scenes and maybe some, you know, curse words here and there. But other than that, it's a really, again, keep going back to the cover art, but the cover art is a lie because it's, it's such a tame film yeah. for what, the, what they're trying to sell. Even the gratuitous, the many gratuitous topless shots of the girls' locker room are oddly innocent. Like they're oddly, it's not porkies, you know? I mean, yeah. that's what that shot is, right? We follow the girl into the girls' locker room and all of the cheerleaders simultaneously still have their skirts on, but they're taking off their bras at like 12 of them, right? And that's porkies. That's just like, Boobs, boobs, boobs. 
And I would say there's at least three of those scenes in this movie. But mm -hmm. in Porky's, the scene is designed to be titillating, right? And there's usually someone peeking through a hole or, you know, something that reinforces the kind of like <gasps> element of it. And, and this one, although that's what that shot is. Mm -hmm. It's weirdly wholesome. Like, they're just like, I'll see you, uh, you know, see you. Uh, don't forget to do your homework. Okay. You know, I mean, they're not, they're just, you, the dialogue isn't forwarding anything. If anything, it's reinforcing normalcy. They're just doing it topless. I, I, I wondered that. I was like, why, why would you, did the producer make you put these in here? Or did you put them in here and you're just no good at it? <laughs> or what are you, why do you have the titillating topless scene three times or two, at least two? If that's not what you're doing with it, are you trying to turn that on its head? I, could, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, because um, Angel is never, you know, she's always right. clothed. It's never her. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And it's, um, it, it definitely kind of feels like, okay, we have to put this in there. Because it's otherwise, an 80s movie about a sex worker. So there's, because yeah. otherwise it's just a PG movie, you know? Right. Uh, and you really are not. It's got to be skin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I don't know if you've ever seen uh, anything about um, with Roger Corman's movies. He had a formula that it's like you have to have some nudity every like so many, you know, every 15 minutes or 20 yeah. minutes or something. I'm sure I'm getting that wrong, but there was some kind of. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like it's it feels out of place compared to the, the rest of the movie. To me. It was a puzzler. I mean, all of that to say did i think it was an interesting watch and an interesting thing to talk about with you yes do i recommend it as like you guys should definitely check this one out on saturday no i didn't <laughs> i did not think i didn't think it was particularly entertaining i mean it was interesting you know i i i almost feel like if you were in college and you were doing like a film studies class, particularly like, you know, gender in the 1980s through the 2020s, you know, in film that this would, this, there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about in terms of intent as you see it on screen. And there's a lot, we're having an interesting conversation about the film, but if someone's like, hey, you know, any good movies to watch this weekend? I wouldn't say, oh, you should check out Angel from 1983, you know? What did you think? Yeah, I, I would say, again, I keep coming back to, um, I would say people our age, if you've, you know, if you've seen this cover art and never seen the, actually watched it. Uh, I mean, we've, I guess, spoiled the surprise, but um, that, you know, you would see it's, that it. It's not a surprise. Uh Oh, 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 the surprise of it's not an exploitation movie. Yeah, exactly. I thought you meant the because surprise that the killer dies at the end. No, you know no, no, they're no, going to the, get him. No, no, the surprise that, yeah, it's not really that exploitative. Right, 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 you right. Know. The, uh, now there are at least two sequels to this that I know of, which, which I've not seen those either, but the second one 
it seems like they've gone much more into this formula just from what I've seen. They recast Angel and it's a much, you know, not to disparage the, the actor who played Angel in the, in the first movie, but it's a much, uh, you know, sexier actress basically. So they, I, I don't know if in this, in the second one, if, you know, there are nude scenes with her or anything, but they definitely, it, just from what I've seen, uh, the trailer and things like that they've it made it a much cheesier um you know kind of more what you would ex have expected this original one to be i don't Did know you, i haven't seen the trailer is it does it just pick up where this one left off or is it so what it so i actually watched um like the first five minutes of it late one night um for anybody who is interested in these movies they're on tubi t-u-b-i for you can watch them for free with ads but they, so the premise of the second one is, so they've recast Angel, they've also recast the cop guy. So the cop guy is in it and, you know, obviously Angel, and she is now in college and he's very much a father figure to her and she's gone away to school and there is a, an undercover cop who is a prostitute who gets killed in the beginning by these guys with these bad guys with guns go in and kill her. And then the, uh, the cop shows up on the, you know, he gets called in shows up on the scene and he gets killed by the bad guys. So um, what's going to have to happen, you know, angel has left the life and now so she's going to go back to keep pulling her back in. Exactly. To, to catch, to catch the, the undercover, so, right. Undercover. So, and like I say, I only watched about the first five minutes or so and it's, super 80s super cheesy um so and it's i thought you were gonna say it's like a bronson film where it becomes this revenge right i mean they i killed think, her I, best friend they killed her father now she I mean, wants I, revenge yeah i think it is i think she's probably gonna you know mike because i think it's called avenging angel oh, and well, you know she's gonna gun down like desert eagle right <laughs> yeah but the opening of the movie is this undercover you know, this female undercover cop and it's her, it's, it's basically like a montage, but it's her naked and she's like getting ready to, you know, she's putting on her lingerie and stuff to go out like on the street. So it's like, okay, we're, they're really leaning in on, right. on the well, sleaves of the, the of movie the that one. they marketed the first one as. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I would say this isn't a must watch or anything, but it's, but it's not a bad movie. Um, and it's, I, I think as an interesting, I don't know if time capsule is the right term because it's like, you know, like we've been saying, there's some elements that you wouldn't have expected to see in 1983. Um, I, this is one that I wonder, you know, if they remade this, what it would be like, what direction they would go with it. I don't know if you could remake this movie now. I, I don't think that, that the Hollywood, you know, is it Hollywood Boulevard or the Sunset Strip or wherever? Yeah, it's Hollywood. It's, uh, it's Hollywood, yeah. I think you need to change a lot to fit it into 2020. Mm -hmm. Um. And I don't think you'd be able to convey the innocence 
that this movie plausibly or not successfully conveys um in 2020 i don't think yeah. you could paint a picture of living more or less living on the street that it is seems as clean as this does the street itself seems really clean mm-hmm. right it almost feels like a disney like people are just walking around all the pe- people on the streets are just almost yeah everybody's having a good time midnight and- everyone's having a good time kids are going up to the cowboy guy and getting his yep. autograph children and, right yeah. yeah it's at nighttime but they're um and i've uh, only driven through hollywood i've not i seriously I, doubt it was like that in 1983 but i'm certain it's not like that in 2021 yeah, yeah. i i've only driven through hollywood i didn't actually get out of the get out and walk around or anything but you know it's pretty not great uh you know today so i i'm sure for a 15 year old prostitute it's gritty yeah yeah you know the cowboy guy is the cowboy guy's essentially homeless living in this abandoned building but you know he always looks clean and put together when we see him like where are you showering and where are you laundering your clothes man i mean there's a lot of nuts and bolts of living on the street that i'm not saying that a homeless i houseless person or how whatever the pc term is now can't be clean i'm just saying there are problems you gotta solve in that regard um yeah and you never see him uh uh, it's not like he's a drunk or anything right right. there's they kind of allude to that maybe he's starting to get dementia um because there's you know his there's somebody who sort of sees over him and they're wanting to put him in a home or something. And, you know, he refuses to do that, but right. they, you know, they just lightly touch on that. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely, these are the nicest, uh, sweetest street people you're ever going to see in a movie. I just can't. Cleanest, you know? most Cleanest. honest, loyal, loving. I mean, it's, it's a fairy tale. Yeah. There's not uh, even like there's rival right. other people working on the street that they get into fights with or anything. Well, at one point, the, the cop is like, do you have a pimp? And she's like, what do you do? I look stupid to you. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sure that's how it works. I don't mm-hmm. think it's like a you knock on your local pimp door and be like, excuse me, I'm have room for one more. <laughs> I think you just the predators. I think yeah. you get. I don't yeah, know. There's no scene I, where I, it's, what do I know? I just. There's no scene where it's like, you know, you're the, we own this corner. You're not working here or, or whatever. So, right. Yeah. It's just, uh, but good luck if you, you know, nice work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take care. Watch, watch out for yourself out there. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, it was, we've to reiterate, not what either of us expected. And this is a movie that I, I feel like I'd just seen the, the cover art my entire life and, you know, you, it, it was, I was surprised as to what, what we got. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it hooked us else? in. Yeah, exactly. Have you, uh, watched anything else interesting of late? I watched the first episode of the wheel of time. Mm-hmm. I did not like it. Um, I am actually, I'm reading the first book of that. That's an epic, um, like 12 or by one count of 14 book series wow. a la game of thrones or it's fantasy um 
And I, I'll say the, the, the book, the books are very derivative of Tolkien and they can be overripe at times, but I think the writing is really good. The writing is really good and I'm, I'm hooked into it. Um, the, the human interaction of, of the characters is really engaging and feels very real in a way that actually makes me think of Stephen King, like whether or not mm -hmm. you like, oh, the story is about aliens and I don't like that. Or, or, you know, the ending seemed a little weak to me or whatever. He, the, the human interaction in the stories that he writes is just super he writes compelling. great characters, super yeah. compelling for me. And that's true of this too. It's really sucked me in. So I was excited to think, oh, now they're making another TV show that I can binge watch. Um, and it, you know, I just feel like I wished they had gone a different direction with it. Um, I talk about the Lord of the Rings a lot, but I would have said that the Lord of the Rings books would be nigh impossible to translate to film. And I think Peter Jackson did a great job of it um, by focusing on all the right kind of detail. Detail, 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 specificity and all this little stuff that made it feel like a real world, right? And that carried all the way down through his directing and the way that he translated the books onto the page. Um, and this does not feel like it achieves that. They've cast, it looks like a soap opera. Mm -hmm. um, everything looks like it was built yesterday and all the clothes look like they were made yesterday and everybody's putting them on for the first time. And, um, it's kind of rainbow colored casting, which is great. No problem with that. But if you're telling the story about some little backwoods village at the edge of whatever, I mean, maybe in a fantasy world that's multiracial, but how does that work? I mean, they're all, we grew up in a little town. Like mm -hmm. everybody looks like members of the extended family. It just little tiny towns don't, work that way that's the point is that there's not a lot of come and go from the the rest of the world mm -hmm. so i mean while i'm i'm in favor of but for that matter it could have been everyone could have been black or everyone could have been asian it's just the the idea that oh everybody here is of a different race you're like you know it's not the metropolis it's not the center at the center of the kingdom it's it's this little backwoods nowhere you're like everybody really would look the same wouldn't they <laughs> whatever that is yeah so i mean there's a lot of things like that and when they do they do magic and when they do magic there's just a lot of generic swirling lights right <laughs> vague meaning like where's the specificity and they're like well but isn't the roof look cool on that house and you're like kind of but i mean it i mean it looks like some carpenter built it yesterday and you're going to use that every chance you get and nobody bothered to make it look like it's an it actual did. place that gets snowed on every you know what i mean mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah and so you didn't make it past the, the first episode? I didn't. And that's saying something, because when it's when I'm really invested in a thing, I usually try and get two or three in. Mm -hmm. I, I think I was just so disappointed with the overall tenor of it that 
I said, you know, I'm just going to read the books. And maybe if somebody comes back, oh, you got to give it four or five episodes, but then it gets really good. Maybe I'll come back to it. But I'm, for right now, I'm pass. You know, I'm, I'm sure we've had conversations about this before, but the streaming stuff, you know, there's just so much content and they're cranking out so much stuff. I don't know if you saw any of the headlines or not, but Disney for... 2022 is projecting to spend $33 billion on content, $33 billion. Wow. And I don't know. I mean, it's just like, it gets to be, it's like the, the Marvel shows, you know, there's a new one of those. uh, I'm, I'm somewhat interested in Hawkeye. um, But it's just, you know, when there's going to be a new one of these things every month or two, I don't know you know yeah and disney's quality is pretty good but the netflix and, and amazon stuff can be really hit or miss and a it, lot it of it can be all over the place great. like did you ever watch the witcher with uh henry cavill no. or cavill how no. do you say his name i'm never sure <laughs> i've said it both ways cavill if you're watching and you know exactly the pronunciation <laughs> yes comment on it it would yeah um it was interesting uh I guess that's based on a video game. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it was interesting to see him in that role, him doing fantasy. I mean, I know he's Superman or whatever, which is absolutely fantasy. But I, I think of a superheroes in comics is almost a different genre than witchcraft and wizardry. Um, did there's we, part, there's did parts we... of it that's really good and compelling. And mm-hmm. there's parts of it that you sort of scratch your head and you're like, what? Um, and there's parts of it that's very um, tongue-in-cheek, like Xena, Warrior. You know, it's like, oh, this is really a comedy. And then there's pretty good sword fighting stuff, and there's pretty good monster effects. It's like, I don't know. I watched the whole thing all the way through, and I thought, I didn't know quite what that was, but I guess I enjoyed watching it. We may have brought this up before, but he is going to play Highlander in the reboot of the Highlander. I think that's good casting. He could be really good in that role. That is good casting. It's a different vision of, because he's built more like the Kyrgyz was, right? I mean, are yeah, they going to invert true. that where the Kyrgyz is like uh, the metal man guy. in T2 where he's a little guy and yeah. they make that scary? That would work. That's but I mean, if, he, if the Kyrgyz is just another big guy, you're kind of like, that was part of what you was intimidating about him is he's twice again as big as anyone else. They like, just How are you gonna really, kill that guy? They get a really, really big guy. <laughs> I don't know. Or like you say, they just completely reverse it and make it, you know, a small yeah, I don't know a woman or something. Hold that know. thought. I I gotta go to the bathroom real quick. Okay. okay. I'll be right back. <laughs> So yeah, so Henry Cavill Cavill Highlander. I think that's it's that's interesting because Highlander spawned a few sequels and a TV show, but it wasn't like that was a giant blockbuster franchise or anything. No. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, can they make this a billion dollar entity, you know? We might consider doing Highlander 2 one time on this, although if memory serves, it's unwatchable. <laughs> I mean, 
I don't know I, if we want to do that to ourselves. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever seen any of the sequels or not. If I do, I remember nothing about them. I used to watch the TV show. Uh, but other than that, I, I don't know if I've seen any of the other movies beyond the first one. Speaking of movies, what do we, so we've wrapped up things with Angel. It's, I think it's kind of a mild, for me, it's a mild recommend. Um, what are we going to do next? Well, we've been talking about a couple of things. Um, I like the idea of doing the Batman. Which one is it? So it's Batman Returns. And Returns. how that came up is Danny DeVito did a an, an interview with Forbes and all I saw was just this little excerpt. I don't know what else he's talking about, but he was saying how much he he loved playing the penguin. And so um, they are the new Flash movie that's coming out is going to have um, you know the '89 Batman um, with Michael Keaton. And I guess they're all, you know, they're doing, so you've got the Spider-Man multiverse thing coming out where maybe it's going to have multiple Spider-Men. And my understanding with this Flash movie, you're going to have more than one Batman. Ben Affleck is coming back. And then, you know, you have the other, uh, uh, the Pattinson, the Batman that's coming out. So it's just kind of like, hey, we're doing all these different uh, versions of this so uh, Danny DeVito said he really loved playing the penguin and he would love he would love it if so basically Batman Returns um, it made a lot of money but it was kind of dark and they didn't feel like they could sell enough toys with it and the original idea was Tim Burton was going to do a third movie and that fell through and so Danny DeVito said I would love to return the, to the character if Tim Burton would come back who knows if he'd be interested in doing that or not but in this era of nostalgia and, you know, I, I kind of think, why not, you know? But so as a result, I thought, ah, I haven't seen Batman Returns in a long, long time. And I thought that would be fun to talk about. We also talked about Con Air as well, which I've never seen. Sure, that one's bonkers. Um, that movie is bonkers. There's so many people in it. Um, would you like to do Con Air next and then... Yeah, Batman what a, Returns takes place at Christmas time, so we'd be yeah, able to. Yeah, why don't Christmas. we save that as that gets a little closer to Christmas and uh, Christmas? Christmas. Uh, Con Air, you've never seen that. I haven't seen mm -hmm. it since it came out. I remember walking out of the theater being like, wow. <laughs> just, just bonkers. Um, at the time, I was, I mean, I'll admit to being uh, that action is not my favorite genre there are certainly action movies that i like but i just remember at the time it looked like ah, this is just a bunch of macho guys saying macho things you know trying to out macho each other yes but it's um, pushed if i remember correctly and i probably don't because it's been so long it's pushed you know it's pushed so far into the absurd that you're like I, I think it might be interesting. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe sure. it's just yeah. still terrible. And we're like, well, that was a waste of time. But and I, I love looking Nick back Cage. on it, you're like, how did this happen? This is insane. And <laughs> I, lo know? I love Nick Cage. And the funny thing is, 
I don't know that Nick Cage is any different now than he was then, but he was respected then. You know, it was Nick Cage. I don't know if he'd won an Oscar at this, if he'd already done Leaving Las Vegas, if it was before or after that. But he was still doing all this crazy. He, I mean, he was doing all this crazy stuff back then, but he was an Oscar winner. Yeah. And everybody respected him. And now he's become a punchline. But I, I think Nick Cage is awesome. So, well, um, it's there's, you know, it's unique. Yeah. So, yeah. Is yeah. it Michael Bay? Is it a Michael Bay movie? I don't remember, but I think okay. so. It might yeah. be Bruckheimer, but I think it's Michael Bay. It's, okay. It's Hollywood. Like, I mean, it's, you know, it feels like Michael Bay. Like, I think that'd a giant be fun. And slow mo a... explosion in the background. Michael Bay is what it feels like to me. For the two of us, and who knows what anybody listening or watching, uh, what their views are, but this is something that I like about one of the things I really like about us doing this is I'd probably never get around to watching Con Air, you know, but um, we do it in this context and it's like, sure, you know, it would probably be fun to talk about. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So let's do that for next time. Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. Or if you are watching this on YouTube, you can absolutely leave us a comment. Um, please do. Please subscribe to our channel if you enjoy these little chats of ours. Um, doesn't hurt to give us a like on the socials, right? And if you're listening Absolutely. to the podcast on Apple or whatever, which we've been doing far longer and we will continue to post, thank you for continuing to listen to our blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, thank blah, you very blah. much. Blah, blah, blah. So we're going to watch Con Air for next time. It is Cracker Jack. Uh, anything to add before we sign off? No, I think, I think we're good. Then we will talk to you next week.